Hello and welcome to episode 1212 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, September 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, it's September. How's it going? Oh man, it's it's coming down to the wire. It like I am filled with uh, anxiety uh, and joy and sadness. I like I don't even know how I'm going to contain myself. Um, yeah, it it is the home stretch. We are finally here. Uh, neither of us got got a September call up. Um, I also went unclaimed. You also went unclaimed, according to the sign in the background. Uh, so uh, which. It's crazy to me that, I mean, I knew Carrasco would probably go unclaimed. Are, yeah. Are you surprised? I was super surprised that Clevenger went unclaimed with the amount of teams that need starting pitching in the playoffs. Like, yeah. I mean, is it too far to speculate that that might just be personality? I, I wonder. Like, I know the Giants have said, like, hey, like, we were, we are not going to like take on the contracts of guys that, Mm-hmm. Um, have you know domestic violence or any sort of violence in their past, and so maybe there were teams who, like my Giants, for instance, like I felt like Clevenger would be a really good fit from a baseball perspective, but maybe from a real life perspective, they just like you know what? it's not worth it to us to take on that, that yeah, kind that's, of guy. That's what I'm wondering is if if this is if some teams drew a line there, right? And like every team's line is different. Some teams don't have a line. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. But if you're not keeping tabs on, on Clevenger this year, you might be surprised to learn that he's actually throwing pretty well too. Mm-hmm. Like a month ago, this happened or two months ago, this happens. It's like, well, he sucks anyway, who cares? But given the dire need of teams with, uh, that need some pitching, you look back since, uh, Clevenger got off the IL 231 ERA in 35 innings with, uh, 32 Ks. And, and only two homers allowed, like he, he's pitching well. And so you would have thought that a team would be interested, but does not have a good reputation anymore. Obviously has the off the field domestic violence situation that was said to have found no wrongdoing, right? So let's put mm-hmm. that out there that that's, that's what came of it. Not, it. It's done that you're not waiting on a, uh, any finality there. It is done, but also, you know, got in trouble during the, the, COVID season for being a bit of an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Zach Plesak running around putting their immunocompromised cancer surviving manager, uh, Tito Francona, into some risk. So I wonder if there was just a knucklehead meter that went too high and that's why Clev didn't get, get scooped. I mean, the Rays, the Rays are starting me tomorrow as, yeah. you know, as an option. Uh, ben Lively uh, is starting today for the Reds. Uh, I can't believe they didn't get any pitching. And we're going to talk about what they did get because we have to talk well, about waiver pools. Clevenger was the only guy available to them. Because uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, Guardi- yeah, because the, the Guardians that's right. grabbed everybody. Which, that's right. That's right. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was all like, oh, I man, the Guardians grabbed all the Angels guys to not make oh, the playoffs, just like the Angels are not. Just like the Angels. The Guardian Angels, by the way. Yeah. I saw people saying oh, that I about them. I like one. that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> they might make the playoffs, though, Justin. So let's talk about what they did. They scooped Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore off of this waiver palooza. Now the Indians frustrate, excuse me, the guardians frustrate me because, you know, when they were selling a bit at the deadline that, you know, obviously that, that amount, uh, Ahmed Rosario for Thor deal, that's a sell, 
because even if you got no major thoughts about Ahmed Rosario, he's very clearly better than Thor. They just took contract for contract. We'll give Thor a little shot if we can work magic with him. No, failed, done. Um, and I can't remember if they did anything. Oh, they also traded Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. And so they were selling, which was stupid. That, that made no sense to me because they were in the mix. So now they wait a month. I think they're actually in a worse position, but they wake they up are. and they go, like, oh, I guess, I guess we're still five games out. So, uh, okay, sure. We'll take all these free guys free in terms of giving up assets, not free to them in terms of paying the rest of their contracts, but that's only a month of contracts. Do you think, I mean, obviously you made the joke that they're not going to make the playoffs, but what do you think are their real chances with Giolito Relo and Matt Moore coming to Cleveland that they actually make a surge here? Five games is not anything against a division rival too, especially if they have games against them, which I'm going to check if they do. They've got while you're one, talking. they got one series, I think next. Okay. Week, so you're already on it um, coming so, up. So that, that series could flip it, right? You sweep that series. That doesn't make up the whole deficit, but that makes up a big portion of it in one fell swoop. So the five games to me is quite literally nothing. Yeah. So from that standpoint, jokes aside, how likely is it that Cleveland does chase down Minnesota for you? Well, if you believe in the Fangraphs odds, they say five percent chance that Cleveland makes mm. the playoffs. So I do not believe that it's only five percent. You know, and I don't, and I don't know if that's been updated. You know, now with you know the roster additions or not. So I don't know exactly yeah, if they're not officially on yet. Maybe that's yeah. part of it. So, so. Uh, I I can't remember who tweeted this, and so I'm sorry I'm not giving credit because we're all about giving credit here at Sleep on the Bus Podcast. Um, uh, but someone yesterday tweeted out that the uh, the Twins have the easiest strength of schedule left in the major leagues. Wow! Um, and so while I understand why, and looking at their schedule, so they've got a series right here against te- at Texas, obviously difficult, and then they have that three game set at Cleveland. Uh, which mm-hmm. just became a little bit more difficult with, with their additions. But no after that, they've got the Mets. They've got the Rays. They're at the White Sox, at Cincinnati, the Angels, the A's, and they finish against the Rockies. So, like, Ooh, that's, that's nice. a, I mean, their last... Where does, Cle- where does Cleveland's rank, though? Because they've got Tampa Bay this weekend, then the Minnesota series, but then a, a trip to L.A., to face the Angels with the Angels players, um, four games against them, three against your boys in San Francisco, uh, which won't be easy, but is winnable. Then they do get Texas. So the San Francisco, Texas, that's a little tough, but then a trip to KC, home to Baltimore, home to Cincy, and at Detroit. So I think it's, it's I think that's pretty close. easy too. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not close. easier. I do think Minnesota's was easier, but I think Cleveland's lineup is our schedule's pretty uh pretty beatable too yeah i i agree um so i mean i think they're pro i think it's closer to like a 20 percent chance maybe a 25 percent chance that uh cleveland could catch and pass um and i don't know who's got the tiebreakers because we no longer have the game 153 so correct uh yeah that could that season could series that. i'll check that yeah check so that right now uh but i don't know i Minnesota, I think, is just a better overall team. And Cleveland has it right now. They're six and four against them with the three games pending. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I think Cleveland, uh, or I think Minnesota is the better team. Um, and so I'm going to bet on Minnesota uh, overall. But you know what? As much crap as we give Cleveland's ownership, uh, little kudos to them, right? Like they're willing to say, like, hey, yeah, we'll take better all late this than money. Never. 
Um, you know, since we don't have to give up prospects and stuff like that, uh, and we can block the other teams from getting these guys. I wondered if there was going to be a team like this that just said, give us all the guys, just give us all the guys. Like, and I, um, I wish it would have been a team a little bit more in it than Cleveland, right? Like if I wish they'd have gotten to Cincinnati and Minnesota or uh, Cincinnati and Miami, because I think those are the two teams that really could have benefited. Give Miami the hitters and Cincinnati, the pitchers though. I will say I did understand Cincinnati's pickups once I dug into it a bit more. Cause originally I was like, what are they getting out? Oh, man, we'll talk this, about that in a moment. Is, that that burns a little bit, just yeah. You know, from a fan. Let's talk about Giolito real quick before okay. we jump into what Cincinnati did. What do you think of Giolito now moving again? And you know, I have Giolito on my on my main team. I, I haven't played him much as an angel because he's had a lot of tough matchups. I sat him for the first one. I was like, let, let him get one under his belt type of deal. It, it's been a bit up and down. Um, and now here he is moving clear back across the country, back into the middle of the country where he was. You know, he was in Chicago. Now he's coming back to Ohio uh, to be with Cleveland. What do you think of Giolito now down the stretch? Is this a better move for him? Is this neutral? Do you put anything into being traded or being moved twice as any sort of issue? Where are you at on Giolito, who's kind of been a bit wobbly of late, too? So I'm, I'm taking a look at the park factors real quick. Uh, Got to be a little bit better, right? Though Cleveland's sneaky dees for him. Uh, no, Cleveland has got the kind of best park factors for a pitcher this year. Okay, um, okay, if, if I'm you wrong on if, that. Then. If you don't use the three-game rolling or three-season rolling average, um, which okay, I so ju- this year only, this year which only can be noisy. They're number thirty-two and number thirty-two in home runs allowed. Okay, so, um, so that means that's good for a pitcher as opposed to bad for. Uh, bad for one. The Angels have been. Uh, da, 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 where are they? Oh, the Angels have been the seventh worst park for uh, for pitching uh, pitchers giving up home runs this year. Um, so Tough spot. And, Tough spot to and pretty neutral overall. Uh, okay. So this is an upgrade for Giolito. Uh, yeah. Which I'm I'm all for. Uh, I don't have Giolito anywhere, but uh, you know, like I just been such a weird couple seasons with him where he went from it has being one of the, the best downs. best pitchers in baseball to a guy who for a lack of a better word has just been hittable like he yeah. just like he he's not get the movement that he was getting previously uh and i think there's also it feels like some sequencing issues as well like he just isn't trusting certain pitches in certain spots which makes him more predictable so uh you know i Cleveland's a really good organization in terms of you know getting the most out of their pitchers. So yep. I think it's a pretty good landing spot for him. A uh, pretty bad one for Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez because there's no way they're factoring into the ninth inning. Uh, and True. So from a fantasy perspective, but from a real life perspective, it's great for Cleveland's bullpen. They just huge huge reinforcements yeah. to the bridge to class a like wow not that they even necessarily need that but it's just no. the depth of it and it really really helps them and you know what i really like about it with Raylo and more uh in terms of that volume is because right now they're leaning on three rookies yeah bybee allen and gavin williams we're going to talk about gavin williams later in the two steps he left his last start after just one inning with leg soreness um, he might have been hit by a comeback. I actually don't. It, it was a ham, uh, yeah hamstring strain. I think is okay. So hamstring strain there for Gavin Williams. So they're relying on three young guys right now. Xavier Curry's been pitching in the starting rotation, trying to do his, the best he can. So if they get more four five inning outings, 
they're not being hurt as much because yeah, they did have a good bridge before this, but obviously that bridge is strengthened and now you don't have to go as much on those starters. So they played it brilliantly. Again, I still don't understand why they ever sold. That was stupid, mm -hmm. but they remedied that here with these three moves. I do like them. And I agree. Giolito goes up uh, by moving back to Cleveland here. Let's talk what the Reds did. Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. Bader waved, obviously, by the Yankees. And Renfro also part of the Angels waving. And again, when I first thought about this, I was like, outfielder? Cincinnati got outfielder for day outfielders for days. Thinking about, you know, all the guys that uh, are two faves, Friedel and Fraley. Obviously, I knew Fraley was compromised, and he's not even back yet, but he is working his way back. But then I looked at it, and I was like, actually, no, this makes sense. First off, your boy Friedel runs into the wall literally all every day. the time. Every single game I watch of them, he has a – and it's they're always terrifying. I always message you like, oh, my God, he's dead. Yeah, because uh, it looks so bad in the moment. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm like, oh, my God, Friedel. Because he comes up, and he looks so hurt. And then he's like, I'm good. And he stays in him. Okay. So he's a boss. Like, good on him. He is a he's a G. He but, he is like a toddler that has just learned how to walk because he runs yes. into fucking everything, oh. falls over. You're like, oh my God, he's dead. And then he pops back up. He's like, I'm fine. He's he giggles and he's fine. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, so maybe they're, you know, protecting it a little bit there. You think about Fraley, he's gonna be compromised. And so he's only going to be playing against righties, not going to be running. So there, there's some interest there. You look at somebody like Will Benson, is a rookie, probably needs to be uh, platooned as well. And they got two righties here. So when I looked up, I was like, you know what? This makes a lot more sense than I thought. Bringing in two righties, uh, Bader and Renfro, to basically play for Friedel and Benson against left-handers and spell them. You can also bring in Bader as a defensive replacement. You get Friedel, Friedel Bailey or Bader and you know Benson yeah. or Renfro out there. That, that's a pretty good outfield. So that's the thing. So I and again, I wish I could give credit um, because uh, I want to give credit. Uh, but I saw someone say that uh, Cincinnati had the 28th worst outfield defense this season, uh, and both Renfro and Bader are really good defenders in the outfield. Yep. So uh, I think that really is one of the reasons why they've added both these guys, you know, obviously, and they could, like they could for free. Like yeah. all they had to do is pay the rest. Just pay the money. money. Yeah. Pay the money. Uh, and so it makes a lot of sense when you think about it from that perspective, from a fantasy perspective, it, I mean, this is already a situation that was already muddy. Like it was like, uh, I think it's going to hurt, uh, you know, a number so of guys and it's just hard to predict, Hey, who's it going to hurt the most? Exactly. And I'm going to challenge you with that question a bit. So let's let's focus on Renfro, who's going to have some availability in some of the shallower formats. Uh, he's 55% rostered at Yahoo. He's first base outfield there, too. So at least it's a secondary avenue to, to get in. I guess he touched first base one time. And so, well, when they didn't have Jared Walsh, he actually had to, you know, they had that's to, right. They had to play that's him at first. So, hey, good. Good, good, good on him. Getting some, did he play twenty games there? Is he going to have first base next year? Uh, I don't I remember. I will find out. Are you picking Renfro up anywhere, or is the playing because Cincinnati is a great place to hit too? Or is the playing time too fractured for you uh, to to go for Renfro in a twelve or ten, which is where he's mostly available? Because in fifteens he's already locked and loaded. Yeah, I mean, I think if he's available, I don't mind picking him up. Uh, let's see, he has played just five games at first base. Okay, okay, so only in leagues that would have a, a very low uh threshold yeah so 
you know, 19 homers, 242 average for Renfro this year. He's he's doing Renfroian things, right? He's a mm-hmm. little bit off of um, his last two years in terms of OPS plus down at 97. But you're getting your pop. He's been okay, if if a little bit disappointing. Cincinnati's great to play, but it's just like, I don't know what kind of PT I'm getting for a 12-teamer. And he may, but he may be the only guy, I think, out of that whole Cincinnati outfield that plays full-time. Uh, I could see it. Yeah, because I could see it. I don't think he's a short side platoon guy. I think he's gonna play full time, uh, and so and it is the best park to hit in baseball for power. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's an upgrade even over uh, the Angels, which is like the seventh best place to hit for power this year. So uh, and- I I think I'm gonna I, I, if he if he was available in one of my leagues, I think I would pick him up just on. I mean, Cincinnati, you, you know, if you're hitting six or seventh in that lineup, that's still a pretty darn good place. How about to four? Hit. You think he's gonna hit four? He's hitting four. He's hitting four today. So wow. they they have a lefty. So we get an indication today. Uh, by the way, kudos to the Reds for having the lineup out at nine a.m. Central. Well, they, they have a they have a, they have a doubleheader. Oh, okay. There you go. So they, they play the their, first game. They play their first game at like. 10 o'clock in the morning, West Coast time. That makes sense then. The first game's against a lefty here. Um, and you can see that Friedel and Benson are out for the two yeah. new guys, batting one and four. Bader Which one, Renfro four. Because the Absolutely. second game of the doubleheader is against a righty. So, you know, you, you say, okay, you guys are out this game. We're going to put in, we're going to put the right-handed bats in. Uh, and then next game. We'll if have Renfro plays both though. That's a really good sign. And I think he could because Nick Martini's playing DH. Is lately. he is he so, is he DHing this game? No, no, no. He's a lefty, okay. so he's out. So I do wonder if he would be the lefty that maybe says now, in fairness, he's been cooking. It's nine games, so yeah. it's nothing. But he has great plate skills and a 150 WRC plus. So, you know, in that small sample, Nick Martini's been holding his own. But I wonder if he might get hit. You bring in Benson and Friedel, but you keep Renfro in by taking out Martini. We'll see. Obviously, by the time this is out and people are listening to it, they'll have seen the second game and they'll know what's going on. But I think if Renfro plays both, then you're right that there's a good chance that he plays daily. And then I agree with you. He becomes viable in 10s mm-hmm. and 12s with his power. Um, so what about Bader? He's available in more, even even some of the shallower formats. And he's a guy I've loved in the past. The injuries, he just cannot avoid them. You talk about Friedel mm-hmm. running into everything and, and yeah. getting hurt and what doing a, all that. What a platoon pairing. Only one of them will survive the end of the yeah. season. It's like a Thunderdome here in center yeah. field. It, it, like this, seven is the homers, high, this is the Highlander. There can only be one. There can only be one. Yeah. Seven homers, 17 steals in about a half season. He had five homers and 17 steals in about a half season last year, right? So he's a power speed guy. But you just don't get enough playing time, and he's only hitting 240 this year. He just cannot stay healthy, but he's healthy right now, and he's playing for Cincinnati. Are you looking at Bader in 15-teamers at all? I don't think so. I just, I mean, playing time is king right now. Like, the only way you're going to move standings is by having guys who are in the lineup. If something were to happen to Friedel, or if if we start seeing Bader, like, pick up more playing time, uh, because of his defense, and he is a very good defensive player. Like then, yes, I would be, uh, I would be interested, especially in that park. Like it's just such a great place uh, for yeah. a guy like him to hit. Uh, but just, I think he's going to be a defensive replacement, a short type platoon guy. Uh, and unless, like I said, unless we see him start, you know, against 
you know, righties on a fairly regular basis. So the next week will be something like I'm really watching. Um, yeah. Cause it's all righties for Cincinnati mm-hmm. next week. So oh, one lefty on Sunday. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching the lineups and seeing how often he's in. Uh, so maybe like in a deeper league, you put in a claim and you put them on your bench or something like that. Uh, but for, I think most leagues, you just, you can't be relying upon a guy who's only going to play two or three times a week. Yep, I'm I'm with that, and I say that as as probably one of the bigger Bader believers. I like the guy, but I'm just not sure that the PT is there. I am surprised to learn that he's 100% rostered at the main event. My man hasn't hit a home run since week 15. Uh, it's week 23 for those that, yeah. that that don't know the weeks. Yeah, the steals are there. One, 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 three, zero, two, one in the last several weeks. So I guess that's the main reason he's being rostered, but uh, I'm not sure that's enough to be 100%. And I doubt he's going to get cut a bunch because people are going to keep the Cincy factor, I think, will keep him on people's benches. He's hitting 208 versus right-handed pitching this year. It's a nightmare. And so he's yeah. going to be short side. Yeah. yeah. So Bader's going to be short side. Renfro has a chance to be full side uh, or full platoon uh, playing against everybody. And that would be huge for him. He could he could feasibly hit like eight to ten homers down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Donaldson to Milwaukee on a minor league deal. Any interest here? No, I, I honestly when I wrote when he when he got, you know, released from the uh, from the Yankees, I was all like, I think this is the end of his career. Just quit. Yeah. yeah. I think this is, I think it's over. So I was honestly really surprised when I saw that the Brewers signed a minor league deal. It makes sense. Like they don't have to pay him anything, right? Like, yeah. Take a shot. I mean, you know, if they think there's anything in the bat, I yeah. get it. I just don't happen to think that there's yeah. anything in the bat. Nope. Um, so you mentioned Carrasco didn't get, get picked up. Neither did Mike Clevenger. Neither did Randall Gritchuk. Should yeah. Randall Gritchuk feel offended a bit because absolutely i mean, I mean <laughs> everyone else got pulled from exile there and he they kept him hey guys what about me hey, 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 skip did anybody claim me no randall please stop at randall i will come to you if someone signs you please stop asking me bro yeah. you're, you're you're really pissing me off nobody picked you up <laughs> this feels like the um kind of motif of his career like n- that like nobody really wants randall Gurchuk. And I, I mm. mean, like, you remember when like Toronto oh, yeah, was trying to trade him and like they could not yep. find a partner for the longest time to just just take him like we don't even give like uh, and I mean, I know part of it is like it's just production versus the contract. Like, do you want to pay a guy as much as you've got to pay him for the last month of the season, considering like he has not been extremely productive, but true. There are a lot of teams running out the Nick Martinis of the world right now. Exactly. Like, He's. You make a nine point three mil, so divided by six, it's one point six, one point five five. Like, come on, even the poor teams can afford that if they thought he was worth it. How much do you think the forty seven WRC plus with LA is influencing that? It was one seventeen with Colorado, so he's a ninety six for the year, which isn't too bad. It's actually his best year since twenty twenty for Gritchuk, which of course isn't even a real year. So if you if you cycle mm-hmm. back further, it's his best year since twenty eighteen. Um, but how much do you think that the recent awful production hurt Gritchuk and the fact that he's not a glove, right? Like Bader's a worse bat by a lot, but he's an elite center field defender. So I think Gritchuk doesn't really bring anything, I guess, right? He's short I mean, side platoon. He did go four for three with a home run the day they put him on waivers. He said, like, Oh yeah, like hey, show you guys. claim me. Like, do I got come, something right? like claim me, of course, so then it went, you know, one for five. Uh, the next day, but uh, still a hit. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a bar. I mean, I've always liked Gertrude. Like, I just, you know, and uh, he obviously, I kind of got bailed out this year in terms of like where I was willing to draft him because got injured right at the end of spring yep. training. Uh, so I liked him in Colorado too, by the way, this year. Yeah. I was like, you know, free and clear, just off mm-hmm. the radar. Yeah. Could be fine. And he was fine when he played, but he only played 263 plate appearances. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is probably, I mean, I'm sure he'll find a, a home as like a bench bat next year. And he, yeah. You know, he's 32. So like, I, you know, he's not like super, super old, but he's also. No, he his could, career's not done, but he he'll bounce be, around. He, he could be. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be a journeyman rest of the way. Is he going to turn up somewhere a la Cole Calhoun being the first baseman for Cleveland? And like in two or three years, we're going to be like, Randall Gritchuk is in Miami as they're, you know, playing first base DH. Like, I think, I think he's gonna be a guy like that who bounces around Corey and is going to be randomly. Yeah. Yeah. Corey yeah. Dickerson, Cole Calhoun, Randall Gritchuk's going to be joining that group here yeah. with this because he's a free agent after this. He's not going to get another long-term deal and he'll just be bouncing around. And yep. Hey, if he makes another three, four years out of it, that's great. Cause mm-hmm. he's been in the league for a decade. He's put together a nice career as a first round pick. So we're not here to, to besmirch the name of Randall Gritchuk. I feel a little bit bad for him that he did not get scooped. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the September calls because we already know a bunch of interesting ones here. And I'm curious how you feel about these guys coming into the bids this weekend. But let's start with probably the biggest one. I'm not sure that anybody could necessarily top this either. Uh, maybe there's a couple prospects that could be called up. But Jason Dominguez is coming up for the Yankees, the Martian. Um, you know, he had massive expectations immediately. And I feel like it's been a little bit quiet. Like he didn't exactly run the minor leagues, but he was very good, right? He never really had um, a bad year in the minors. But remember, you know, he's supposed to be like, you know, the next uh, Trout and all this, can't miss, greatest prospect. He's 34th ranked on our list this year. He doesn't get a ton of chatter these days. Is Jason Dominguez almost underrated at this point by the way 15 homers 37 steals at double a he only had nine games at triple a it was zero homers three steals in that limited time um but is is he a little bit under the radar right now jason dominguez relative to the initial hype yeah i mean i think he probably is but i think it's for a reason um okay he's just you know you have to remember like when guys like this like they get drafted or not get drafted, but they get signed to like these big international deals. We get these huge expectations mm-hmm. and, and like, he's like the Kevin Maitons of the world, right? Like yeah. when you pick this guy up when he's 16 or whatever. And you're like, Oh, the, you know, the ceiling is just through the roof. And um, you're projecting a guy who's 16, right? Like, and, yeah. and unfortunately for those guys, like that shit follows that. Like, right. Like anytime, oh, for sure. Anytime we're going to talk about an international bus, we're going to talk about Kevin Maiton. Um, and, you know, and Dominguez, I think has been unfairly had this label of like, he, he's got to be an elite prospect. Like he's a really like strong, muscular guy. Do you mm-hmm. know how tall he is? He's like, he's pretty short, right? Cause I think yeah. he's listed at like five ten, which he's five, means he's probably five seven. He's listed at five nine. Okay, um, if he's listed five nine. He's as tall as Altuve. Yeah, like because so, if you were really five nine, you're gonna list five eleven. We've talked mm-hmm. about this science before. Yeah. And if you're really five eleven, you would list at six one. Every so guy who's ever been on a dating app knows what we're talking about. Right? The, exactly, exactly. I've and this never is just been science. on a dating app because I started dating Danielle before dating apps were a thing. 
Um, but I, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate. That is the one trait that I have. I could literally yeah. just, I would you know, totally be putting six, two on my dating app. <laughs> if I had one, like it, I, it, it's so easy out there for tall guys. Obviously I'm not on a dating app. I've been with Jen for five years, but if I were, I could just list my height and be done with it. Yeah. I would get some matches. The based is, no one would believe six, you. Five. Well, they would find they would eventually learn that when I show up as the inflatable man outside from in front of a uh, used car salesman, they'd be like, "Oh, you are really that tall, cool," uh, but you're annoying as shit. You stop talking about baseball, and I'm like, "No, I can't do it." But Jason Dominguez, I did not realize he was that short. Yeah, uh, that's so, not. So like, why was he being called the Zion Williamson of baseball when he was first signed? I think they just due to his musculature. Yeah, I think people just looked at like, well, and I, you know, he was young when he signed, right? So like, True. hey, maybe he's still growing. Maybe uh-huh. it's a growth spur. Yeah, no. Like, well, here's so, the thing with with Dominguez. Though. He's never been bad. No, but he hasn't lived up to the crazy height. Because you look so, at how muscular he is, and you go, "Oh, this guy's gonna hit bombs forever." And he just—it's the power that's never like fully developed in game. I think there's—I think there's a lot. Of, don't say like, never. Don't say never on anything. He's twenty. Well, I, or, sorry, sorry. As, as, as of now, that's what I mean. Yeah, um, I, I just want to be clear that like he's still just twenty, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, and so that's where I'm getting the underrated aspect here. Despite being a Yankee, with all the hype and the lack of like flashy prospect rankings or anything, I I'm thinking maybe he's a little bit underrated right now. I, I mean, I, I'm getting an eerie feeling of Yandy Diaz here. Uh, really he doesn't lift is it is there a lift i mean not he lifts weights but he doesn't lift the ball he does not have a stop in the minor leagues where he's had a fly ball percentage at 40 percent or higher okay that mostly a 45 to 50 percent ground ball guy um and what what have we talked about with yandy diaz for a really long time right is some of these really muscular guys don't have very good flexibility right if you've ever walked around like a public gym with like weightlifters or bodybuilders and you see these guys walking around with their arms kind of bent like like reflecting all the time they're not actually a lot of them aren't actually like doing that purposefully it's that they have worked out their biceps to such a degree without you know doing proper stretching that there there are the tendons in their biceps actually shorten right so uh and this is you know i used to i used to uh uh, power lift so like i i know what i'm talking about here and, and this is why i stopped power lift i didn't want yeah. that like mm-hmm. i was headed toward that obviously Absolutely. right i was yeah. straight line toward mm-hmm. being like a guy that's too yoke mm-hmm. so I, I dialed it back yeah and absolutely. i think that was like right. discipline on my part so and i'm not saying that like you know i've only seen jason dominguez play you know arizona fall league, fall and, league yep. uh you know and on tv you know and kind of limited so i'm not saying like this is him he's one of these guys necessarily but you know, you're talking about a guy who's extremely muscular, who's kind of a smaller guy and can't seem to lift the ball. That tells me like, OK, maybe maybe the raw power is something that he's going to have a lot of trouble unlocking at the major league level. And so while I still think in, in on the plus side, he's stolen a lot of bases. I mean, he's still like yeah. 30 something bases this year. Uh, so with all the ground balls. In, and striking the ball well, maybe Jason Dominguez is like a singles guy, but then he's stealing a bunch. So maybe yeah. if we aren't seeing the lift or the homers in this sample, but you need steals, maybe he's your guy in that front for Jason Dominguez because yeah. he does strike the ball well. One thing we do see with Yandi and guys like that is like 
their batting averages are good because they beat the shit out of the ball. And when it's in the ground, it's still tough to play. And for Yandy, he's got the turf to kind of help it even be tougher to play. So maybe that's the avenue there for Jason Dominguez. You pick him up more for speed than power. And if you get any homers thrown in because they teach him a little bit of lift here down the stretch, that's gravy. But I think I would pick him up with the idea of maybe getting some decent average and a, and a handful of steals down the stretch. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how much does he strike out. He does walk a bunch. Yep. He's a double-digit walk rates all throughout the minor leagues. Um, and so we know he can get on base. We know we can steal some bases. And, you know, I mean, the power, well, I don't think the power is prodigious. He, he is a switch hitter in Yankee Stadium. So, you know, lefties have that short porridge. So mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't need to lift it that much because it just, you know, he can get it high enough to get over that short porch, uh, you know, when he's up against the righties. So, I think he's, I mean, he's obviously going to be the big name in fab this weekend. Uh, and I am definitely going to put a $1 bid on him and hope that no one else bids because I have no fab money. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people are poor too. Some they might not be able to push too hard on I Jason Dominguez. To, if I really need him in a league, maybe I'll put two bucks on him. And maybe I'll go all there. the way up to yeah. two bucks. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, there won't be a ton of money spent going for Jason Dominguez for you because you are a poor man. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit of a poor man myself, although my $29 sits firmly like in the upper uh, half of our money in our league. It's crazy. And our two competitors, our, our t- top two guys, they're battling back and forth, Rob DiPietro, John Posma, two industry titans. Um, they have 28 and 17 bucks respectively. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there, there's not, I got 29. I'm, I'm, I'm a rich man. So, can we, can we give a shot, shout out real quick to, um, uh, I don't think he's ever been on the podcast. So I don't know that I'm allowed to call him friend of the podcast, but friend in real life, Brian Slack. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our friend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He should, we should remedy that by the way, but uh, uh, yes, he's our actual friend who we hang out with. At, I'm going to be hanging uh, out with him at, uh, the last day of the season last year, me, Toby, Sammy Reed uh, and Brian Slack got together and watched all the last games of the season. We're going to do it again this year. I think Bubba and is going to join us. And so he's first place in the main event overall right now. Uh, so big shout out to Brian Slag. Uh, rooting for you. i not saying anything bad about any other competitors. Nope. In the top 10, I know your buddy, um, uh, Greg, Greg Martin, Martin sitting in six. That's, that's where my, I'm, yeah. I'm rooting for Greg. I, I love Brian. I respect him. Uh, John Posma. Not, not the team that I mentioned, but his other team is in second right there. Uh, you know, Clark Olson, I, I'm familiar with him. Phil, Phil Dussault, mm-hmm. the, the robot there is in 11th, so he's lurking too. Like a lot of great people. But yeah, my allegiances lie with my buddy Greg. Who, uh, teams yes. up with Ian Khan in fourth. With our boy Ian. Ian. Ian's not in, the industry. In Ian not in the industry anymore. Still one of the greatest players in fantasy baseball. He's just one of the best players. Like, if he just, yeah, Ian Khan. So good. He and Robert Mershak in the same spot that they were last year, around this area mm-hmm. here in the yep. top 20, just kind of lurking. I see Steve Weimer there. Like yep. we see a lot of the, the studs. By the way, Clark Olson, three and 19. I'm always so impressed when people got like two teams up there that high. That's just so damn impressive, especially when the teams are like different. Um, you know, it's not like they got the same core guys, but I am not surprised. And it, it, you know, it didn't have to be this way, but it it fits. It's nice that Brian Slack being the number one guy has Mookie Betts and because holy shit. Shout out to, uh, our, our good friend, again, a guy who hasn't been on the pod, uh, I don't think yet, but, um, good friend of ours, Steve Potts. He is 69th overall. 
very nice. So he's yeah. in the nicest spot. And there he should be a little overall, prize for that. He's first overall in the auction championship. So, uh, Dave and Pod, you're chasing. You're chasing him there, yes? Yeah, I've had a pretty bad week, so I'm no okay. longer. I'm 11th in the overall, so I'm still I'm still able. Like if I have a hot September, like I could still theoretically uh, catch Dave. But uh, Greg, Greg was doing well there too. He's he's fallen to 20th, so you're yeah. 11th. Greg's 20th. Toby Batflip Crazy at 19th there in the auction championship. Our our colleague Jeff Zimmerman at, at uh, 16th there. So yeah, a lot of a lot of friends. You know, as we've been in this NFBC world more, we become friends with more and more people. And so it's like easy to have like our friend here, our friend there. But yeah, Brian Slack right now in first. That day that you guys hang out could be one of the most nerve wracking days mm -hmm. if he is still indeed chasing the top spot. So it's going to be a great September. And I want to mention that he has bets right now because I mean. Betts is single-handedly carrying some teams up the oh, standings. Man. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. There's just no way he's not. Uh, obviously, to be number one overall in the main event, you got to have more than just one guy. But having somebody like right. Betts who's just putting up something every night has to be so helpful. I think, I mean, Acuna with his historic season, obviously I think he is the clear 1-1 next year. Yep. But with Otani's injury to his UCL, uh, Betts is the clearer second pick right he's going to be short second in that part is massive I believe. and he may actually not have shortstop because they made the trade for uh he got 16 there so depending on your league in nfbc yeah, he, it will I not but I, it'll be outfield yeah. second outfield? i don't see four more games for him this year at short no, for I, don't I, agree. I don't i don't think he's played there since like the beginning of july exactly now 38 and 10 with 317 average, 10, uh, 10 steals, 98 ribs, 116 runs with a month to go. He led the NL with 117 yeah. last year, Justin, and he's got a month to add to the 116 that Mookie has right now. I'm with you. He's very, I've always been on the Mookie train. I felt like he's been a bargain the last couple of years at the back end of drafts. He was instrumental the year I won my main event. Um, I absolutely adore Mookie. And I'm actually a little bit bummed that he's going to be a little expensive next year. You know, he's been moving up to the top of the first round, but it is absolutely merited. I do think Otani's still right there. And if you take him at two, I have no beef with that, even as a hitter only, because he's still what, 50 20? Yeah. I mean, so like, what, you know, you're, yeah, the pitching aspect is nice, but I really don't think that not pitching all next year, if that's the case with Otani, I don't really think that that's. First big Dent year on a new contract, are you? I mean, that's the depends. Depends. Depends on where he ends depends up. Where he, where he goes. If he stays with LA, I'm not. It's not the same factor of a, of a new deal. What and if now he we goes don't think he's going to stay there? That's where I think he's going. If he goes to the Dodgers, I do have the first year thing. Like I, I would probably lean off a bit. I would. You know, it's it, again. It's not. It's not foolproof that it happens all the time and if you're still taking otani i totally get it but we're still taking trey turner now is he is trey turner going to do enough here down the stretch he's been electric here in august to kind of like make people forget the fact that he, you know he only has a 103 ops plus this year uh because before his run i couldn't wait to trade take trey turner at the back end he, he and bets were basically going to be flipping draft spots mm -hmm. but now that turner's going off i think he's going to put himself back in the early part of the draft i don't, I don't know that he's going to i mean i, then, I don't then i'll take him i'll, I'll, I'll I gladly think he's take gonna him be a back-end first rounder uh i mean i think i'll have turner everywhere then rob dipietro did like the first seven rounds of a draft with a bunch of people. oh yeah where are the um, results of that 
uh he he had tweeted out but turner was in the second round um and you know you know it was it was the beginning of the second round so it was like 17th i want to say uh, yeah. but and i do think he is going to be a first round guy but the nice thing about uh the all the people a lot of the industry friends bloomfield jenny butler was in it i think bubba was in it um the really nice thing about it is it was really indicative of what we're going to see from NFBC drafts later in the season, right? Yeah. There were three starting pitchers in the first round, which is not something we normally Strider, see Cole early. And... Uh, I can't remember. Who the th- maybe it was Burns. Um, I can't remember. Or maybe Gallon. I can't remember. Um, okay. So uh, I, think, I think Turner is definitely a first rounder, but I think he's the back end because – with stolen bases going up as much, I think people are really going to prioritize power in that first round. Um, and you want a guy who's going to hit 25 plus. Uh, and so I think guys like, you know, Corbin Carroll, Julio Rodriguez, um, you know, Bobby Witt, uh, I think they're all going to go in front of a guy. And I think even maybe a guy like Freddie Freeman going to go above a guy like Trey Turner. So I think next year uh, is going to be a really great spot to be kind of drafting in the back end of the draft because you're going to be able to start your draft with like Trey Turner and a pitcher or, you know, Trey Turner in, I don't know, like Jose Ramirez, like who's been not. I'm I'm all, I'm all over it, dude. Like I, I think it's complete first year adjustment to being the man. Like I I think he fits this thing that we talk about and shouts to Glenn Colton uh, or or, yeah, Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf on that because that's a big part of their smart system. But like, I I just think that's what it was. And in fact, the turnaround, because Philly learned, hey man, you know, booing our guys when they struggle, that doesn't really work. I I know that's a New York thing. They get so horny to boo their own players. Sometimes you just try to pull a guy out and you actually support him and that works too. Uh, yeah. And so they did a whole thing where they, they said, let's give him a standing out. He's busting his ass. Things aren't working right now for him. Let's let him know we believe in him because he's going to be with us for another decade. And boom, what happens? He goes crazy. Um, Turner does. And, and, you know. And while I don't usually love those kind of narrative type things, uh, he literally took out billboards around the city. Thanking, thanking them. them for it. Because, yep. like, he was feeling it. Like, he was feeling the pressure and, like, he was disappointing fans and um, you know, it's, these are things we can't quantify, but clearly to him, it was a, it was a big, important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was really impressed with, uh, with, with everything that happened there with Turner and the fans. And I'm almost a little bummed that he's having this run because it is going to bring the price back up. But mm-hmm. as you said, with that draft there, if he's toward the back end of the first round, then I'm in on Turner all day. Cause I think he's going to yeah. be fine. And this reminds me of Carlos Beltran's first year in New York. It was a down year. Boom. He, he went right back to being an absolute monster. I think Turner will be next year too. Uh, let's get back to these September call-ups. Austin Wells is also getting called up with New York. Now, when he first came through as a prospect, he had he was a catcher prospect. I don't think he really catches much anymore. Uh, do I have that right? That I, he don't does not, be- I, I don't believe he, he catches at all. This year he's caught uh, actually a bit more than I thought at huh? double A and triple A. Sorry, he, he is catching more consistently than I thought, but he's a catcher DH, 66 games catching, 30 at DH. I thought it was basically reversed. So he is catching a bit. Do we think Austin Wells, so if he comes up catcher eligible, do you have any interest there? Because right now they're going with Higashioka and Rortvit. Um, I feel like Wells could mix in at DH or catcher. What do you think of Austin Wells? Any interest there? Uh, I mean, as a catcher, absolutely. Like, if you're in a two-catcher league, like, 
you are scraping the bottom of the barrel right now to try to figure things out. Uh, and uh, beautifully enough, like I didn't know where he was going to be eligible, like an NFPC, but he is catcher eligible. I was going to say, I just pulled it up. Like, so you were yeah, on it too. So, uh, See eligible for Wells. Mm-hmm. So I think the only scary part about this is if he DHs more than he catches rest of the way, he will he not catch be next catch, year. He won't be the catch, Shea Langlier catch, style. Yeah, or or Henry Davis, like he's not yep. going to be uh, Henry Davis is not going to be catcher eligible uh, in leagues next year, uh, or at least not to start the year. So uh, I'm hoping he catches either exactly the same amount or you know or more than he DHs. That feels uh, maybe like a pipe dream. Uh, but well, it stands healthy right now though, so I, I yeah. could actually see him getting some get uh, getting Austin Wells some time behind the dish consistently. Uh, two level season, actually a three level season for him, but he spent five games at A ball and then double A AA and triple A for the most of the year. Uh, One hundred seven WRC plus at double A, ninety nine at triple A, so kind of a league average type guy. Sixteen homers, seven steals across those two levels uh, in about four hundred plate appearances. As a C2, 15 teams, I think that's where that's the best spot for Wells right now. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that as a like everyday outfielder or everyday DH, like he he doesn't profile as a fantasy stud at all. But mm-hmm. as a catcher, a guy, you Game know, like he's, he could potentially be like a top 15 catcher rest mm-hmm. of the way uh, because he does a little bit of everything. Like he's he's got, you know, pretty decent pop and in that uh in that park as a left-handed bat like that's uh really really important he's got a pretty good hit tool so which is not something you see very often so i i would probably put him like right below like yiner diaz but austin wells is a guy especially in two catcher formats i am going to the waiver wire this week to pick up yeah i i like it too i think austin wells could be a nice play down the stretch when i said game changer i meant his catcher eligibility is a game changer not necessarily that he will be a game changer that will depend on his playing time alexander canario being pulled up by the cubs he was in the chris bryant deal um back with caleb killian a few years ago and he's on his way up he spent most of the year at triple a this year it looks like he's had been injured because he hasn't played yeah, that many he, games it looks like uh about 53 games so he's been hurt mm-hmm. spent some time at the complex and high a coming back up but then the bulk of his year 36 games at triple a eight homers two steals 109 wrc plus alexander canario obviously joins a competing team so i'd be surprised if he's getting a full-time spot um unless he kind of forces his way in but what do you think of canario is there anything there in the deeper formats there is pop in the bat but it's a pretty bad hit tool he's not even a top 20 prospect in the cub system um yeah i i nl only i think is is the only place you're really looking at him uh i just i don't know where he finds regular playing time when you've got suzuki and ian and, Hap. and talkman who's been crazy good this year he has a 360 lbp because i was going to bring up talkman because that's the first place people go well get talkman out of there 32 year old journeyman he has a 360 obp i can give you the rest of his numbers it doesn't matter he leads off and has a 360 obp that's all they need that is a great obp and he's carrying his weight so i don't think talkman's going anywhere i think this is a backup role for canario and I agree with you, NL only. Our boy Brett Beatty's coming back to be with the Mets. Uh, will they just turn him loose and let him play for the whole month? And if so, are you interested? Well, obviously, we don't know for sure, but are you going to speculate that that's going to happen and then pick up Brett Beatty? 
I think he is. Um, and this reminds me, uh, I mean, a little bit of like the Jared Kelnick situation uh, when, you know, Kelnick was been bad at the majors uh, and, but he was still raking in the minor leagues. Uh, and I just feel like, Hey, he's going to figure things out um, in the mm-hmm. at some point. So obviously Kelnick seemed to figure it out and then forgot it at some point before getting hurt. Uh, but I think, I think Beatty is a guy that, uh, I think he's just too good to struggle the way he did at the major league level. And I think now that they have jettisoned off a bunch of players, he should play every day. Like he should, the, they should be looking at him as part of this, you know, Mets future. Uh, yeah. So I think he's going to play every day. I actually just picked him in like the 49th round of my uh, three sport draft. Uh, to nice. be my cornerback for me until, um, Keith Colt comes up, uh, who's also Colt on my Keith. team. Colt yeah, Keith, Colt Keith, Keith Colt. Tigers. Um, Same thing. Keith Colt, yeah. Colt Keith. I'm, I, I like I'm it always, either way. I'm going to mess up that name for the next decade. Like I, I love just, it. I'm I hope call, he's around that long for you to keep messing it up. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to call him Keith Colt, just because Keith should be his first name because that is a first True. name, and Colt True. much more like a last name. So that, uh, that's all fair. Yeah, I think Beatty's a guy that I would take a shot on. Uh, especially in deep performance. Obviously, 10s and 12s, you can kind of wait and see how it plays out a little bit. But in 15s, if you need power, I think Beatty is a guy to pick up right now. Yeah, if they're playing fucking Vogelbach, DJ Stewart, and Rafael Ortega down the stretch here, instead Don't of Mark Vientos. DJ Stewart, that dude is on fire right now. That, that, is, that is fair. He's fire. absolutely blazing. Uh, you, you're right. Let me remove him from there. Yeah. If Vogie and Ortega are playing mm-hmm. down the stretch over Vientos, Beatty, and bring up our next guy here, Ronnie Mauricio, yep. then I got problems with this team. The problem is, though, I only named two guys to come out because you're right. Stewart, they got they got to keep his heater going right now and keep yeah. playing him. Um, but what about Ronnie Moe, who's had an amazing season? Uh, 2020, 23 homers, 24 steals at AAA, 292 average. I will say this, only a 107 WRC+. plus. Uh, because I guess the uh, International League offense is up a bit too, because I would have thought that this slash line would have produced more than a 107. But the fantasy juice is there with Ronnie Mauricio. What kind of playing time does he have, and are you interested in him more, less, or the same than Beatty? I mean, you just see where he plays, I guess. I mean, second base. I mean, he's not playing over Lindor, so he's, no. not, he's not a shortstop. Second base, uh, move McNeil to left, kick Ortega to the curb. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the move. And then Beatty at third, Vientos to DH. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that Vogelbach would be pwned. Yeah, that should be what they do. Mauricio has all the power and speed to like be a really, really interesting fantasy guy. Now he's not as fast as uh, maybe the stolen base numbers in the minors say he is. I think he's more Don't of have an to off- be fast though. If you're but smart. Yeah, and and with the new base running rules, like yeah, you can you can take advantage of things. I mean, we're seeing it all over the place, right? So I do think that he is a guy that if he can make enough contact, and the nice thing is he has made some real big gains, and they're not mm-hmm. like we've talked <clears throat> we've talked a number of times about how like with the automated strike zone uh, and you know things in uh, in the minor leagues, like some people are making. Uh, like gains in terms of uh, walk percentage and strikeout percentage that maybe aren't as real uh, or won't stick in the majors. But we're talking about a guy who in 2021 struck out 
uh, you know, 33% of the time, 24% of the time. It's now striking on 18% of the time in 532 plate appearance. I think Ronnie Mauricio is making some, you know, good changes. Yep. He can make enough contact, which has always been kind of his, uh, you know, the thing he struggled with. Yeah, watch out. I think Mauricio could be the most interesting guy on this list that we've talked about so far. Totally agree. Could absolutely be a fantasy game changer down the stretch. Ronnie Mauricio with the Mets. The New York team's really making some noise there. Dominguez, Wells, Beatty, Mauricio. One of those four I think could be a fantasy game changer. Multiple could. Tough part is guessing exactly who, but I think you got to kind of assess where, what you need because you can fill different needs there. Dominguez, Ronnie Moe with the speed. Beatty, uh, and Wells more, I think, with some power there. Of course, catcher for Wells makes him a totally different character. Uh, let's talk Colton Kowser returning to Baltimore. Playing time is not going to be re evident for a ton off rip. Like, he's going to have to force his way in a bit, right? Because Hayes, Mullins, Santander, that's the outfield. And Mountcastle's yeah. cooking at DH. So this feels just like a backup role where Colton Kowser's going to get a little bit more PT. He he hasn't done much in his MLB sample this year. Do you have any interest in Colton Kowser, or are you worried that there's just not enough PT? Yeah, I don't think there's enough PT this year, unless somebody is going on the IL today that we, we're not really expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I can't imagine where Kowser gets a shot to play full time. This is a guy to keep an eye on as a really cheap pick next year, uh, because I go. think Mountcastle or Santander is are going to get traded. Have uh, to. You know, so probably Mountcastle. I think I think they will try to figure out a way to maybe try to trade him for some pitching, uh, but. Uh, this year, yeah, I don't think Kowser is going to. Um, uh, factor in a ton. I just don't yeah, see the no, path I'm, playing time. I'm with that. If something opens up, we can reassess him. But right now, I'm just not sure where the PT is, especially for a contending team that's trying to hold on to that number one ALE spot and uh, the number one spot in the uh, American League as well. Kyron Paris getting called up to the Angels. You know, another young prospect. He's skipping AAA. Uh, I mean, that's nothing for the Angels, right? Uh, skipping AAA, yeah. come on. Yeah. How, how about skipping like every league, like, like Sean? Well, Kyron Paris, though, coming up, another power speed guy should play because they just gave away half their team. 14 homers, 44 steals. Are you going for Kyron Paris? Also a 29% K rate worth mentioning yeah, at double A. Yeah. But the 21 year old does run. Is Kyron Paris on your list this weekend? Probably not. Like, I'm, I'm, maybe if I really need some middle infield help, but. Man, dude, just all he does is strike out. Like I know there's power, I know there's speed, but he just strike out, strikes out so darn much. And while skipping AAA isn't as big of a development issue as it had, you know, has been previously, I just mm -hmm. worry that Paris is one of those guys that is just not a finished product. And um, or if he is a finished product, then he's got a huge hole in his it's, game. It's a scary, yeah, it's yeah. scary if that's that, so, if, if that's finished product with twenty nine percent K rated AA. That's problematic for Paris. I think they're going to give him opportunity, right? Because I mean, Luis Renifo is their shortstop right now. So, like, and they hate that guy. Um, so uh, they're always looking to put him back on the yeah, bench, right? I think he's. I think he goes back to super utility role on the bench, and I think that Paris gets the opportunity to play regularly at shortstop, but. I don't know. I just. I don't know. It's a great park to hit in, so maybe, but. He's got to be on your radar if you're chasing speed, 
right? There's just too many steals yeah. from Paris with 44 and double A that if you're chasing speed, I don't think you can be picky enough to to not take a look at him, especially if you believe he's yeah. going to play the way Justin does, which is go be a shortstop, which I agree with you. I think he should be close to the starting shortstop. They can move Renhifo all over the place. Uh, Paris, by the way, is a right-handed hitter, so I don't think it's going to be short side platoon, though. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play a decent bit, and if you can if you can afford the average hit, if you can afford to maybe trade some average for steals, I think Paris could be uh, a solid pickup in that realm. Yeah, and I mean, I will say he does walk a lot. We're talking about a 17% walk rate in AAA this year. Double uh, A. Sorry, in Double A this year, a 19% and almost 20% in Double A last year. So they are totally cool with putting guys who maybe aren't great with contact, but walk a ton at the top of that lineup. And yep. so uh, I, I definitely am going to be watching this weekend in terms of like, hey, where did where's he hitting the lineup? Is he playing all the games this weekend? Uh, because if he if he is hitting first or second in that lineup in front of Shohei Otani, uh, you know I'm going to be bidding on him on Sunday. So uh, that, that's fair. I don't think he will though, because Shawnwell uh, with a 457 OBP, I, he's I kind of a, yeah. taking that number one spot. But, but your point if, is, if you is, could put Paris and Shawnwell in front of Otani, yeah. If they do that, if they if they move Paris to two. Mm-hmm. And so then it's Seanwell, Paris, Otani. I'm with you, of course. That's runs yeah. galore, even if he does struggle to get on base consistently. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. We'll keep tabs on Paris this weekend. And that's another thing, too. A lot of this could change based on the weekend. It'll be a short sample, of course, but we'll have three games to kind of get an idea of where these all, guys are all about, be Yeah, utilized. all about playing time, right? If we're seeing mm-hmm. guys on a three-game weekend playing every day, then we can – make the you know assumption that hey these guys are everyday players if they're if paris comes in and only plays one game this set okay he's he's not going to be on my that wouldn't be great be very very cognizant of the games played right now for these first three games of the the month yeah and it's a small sample but you have to go off of it that's like the best we've got we've only got a small sample left like exactly we we legitimately have 36 days left in the season that is it so so the weekend's like 10 percent of that almost you know so ideally you you get a righty and a lefty at some point in the week so you can really see what the two lineups look like but you just got to go off your best guess and see where these guys are at um the, the angels are facing two lefties and a righty perfect so we will so. run the gamut we will really see what's up paris should get a chance to start against both lefties you would think although actually no their their lineup's already out and he's not in oh wait no no that's an old lineup that's yesterday's yeah, yeah they faced they faced uh, they, they, they don't play till tonight so yeah yeah they, they didn't play yesterday i should say they played on wednesday that's the lefty lineup um so we'll see how that goes with them a couple other guys here on the lower end andre lipsius with detroit he was doing all right um in the minors nothing too special he's an okay hitter type PT, I think, has a chance to be there, though, because it's the Tigers. You know, like, don't call up a young guy and then not play him. Uh, so Lipsius at AAA, 10 homers, 96 WRC+. plus, Good plate skills, not a whole lot going on. I can't really see any avenues outside of, um, uh, what's it called, AL only. You know, maybe yeah. he plays third base with Matt Veerling there right now. I think you can put you can put Lipsius in at third. But even with PT, is Lipsius doing anything for you? No. Yeah, I think that's fair. What about Nick Loft? 
yeah, it's very empty right now. If he gets hot, we can make a, make a turn there. But right now, he should be deep on your list if he's making the list at all. What about Nick Lofton with uh, with uh, KC? He's an infielder, outfielder type. 14 homers, 6 steals in AAA with a 95 WRC+. plus. So somewhat Lipsius-like, but with the, with the speed thrown in there, 6 steals, although it is 6 for 10 on the bases. Anything for Nick Lofton? That's L-O-F-T-I-N. I mean, I don't think so. I think it's very similar. Like, but the, I think the difference is he's a guy that can play. He can play anywhere, right? He doesn't yeah. play any position particularly well, um, and he's played a lot of third base and second base. But he can play third base, second base, corner outfield. And the Royals have a lot more openings than some of these other teams in terms of where they can slot guys in. And so they may they may say, hey, listen, the next thirty six days. You're going to play a lot because we want to see, one, where you really fit into this lineup, and two, if you're part of the future. He is a compiler-type guy, though. Like He's got a good hit tool and not much else. So in order for him to be impactful, especially in that park, which suppresses power to begin with, he needs to play every day. So this is another one of these guys where we're going to watch through the weekend, only if, only for 15-team leagues and AL only. Um, yeah. If he plays every game, especially if he plays at different positions every uh, you know every day, uh, then we can go. Okay, maybe he's the one dollar buy in a uh, in a mixed league to kind of take a gamble. But outside of that, like he's not a difference maker necessarily on this list. No, it's hard to see Nick Lofton coming up and doing a whole bunch for KC. But if he plays a bunch in deep leagues, playing times king. So we'll see what's up. Not a September call up, but is back. And holy smokes, kind of surprising. I had really forgotten about Michael Brantley, but here he is back with the uh, Astros. He started each of the first two games since being back. We know who Michael Brantley is, right? Batting average type guy, joining a great team. Are you interested in Michael Brantley this weekend? Uh, I guess. I mean, he's another one of these guys, like, right? Like he, he Michael Brantley's stat line at the end of the season ends up ranking really high in the outfield ranks when he plays a full year because he just accumulates. Well, the problem is when we're talking about a 36 day sample, he doesn't have time to accumulate. True. Um, this is so, a batting average pickup though, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, but the problem is like, like batting average is so fluky. Like it's just such a fluky stat, especially exactly. in small samples. So like mm-hmm. if he hit 330 the entire, you know, or rest of the way, I'd be like, oh yeah, like that's going to really help you. And you're going to be glad to hit Michael Brantley, but he could run like a 220 BABIP and be making decent contact and hit 245. And you're like, well, I just wasted a spot on Michael Brantley. So I guess if you're like desperate for batting average, I get it because he is going to play every day. Um, but they got him playing. Like that is like it's a really small scenario in terms of why you would want Michael Brantley at this point. I agree. I agree. It's very narrow batting average. You're chasing, and you might not even get it. It's so hard to chase batting average, especially in a short sample. It's hard enough yeah. to do it over the course of the year, but in a tiny sample, I mean, DJ Stewart's hit four seventeen over the last. Just like, pick him two up. Weeks. Like, like, just and he's not a guy Stewart. we think about for batting average. So it just tells you like small sample as. The police come for me. I don't know if you can hear that in the back. Yeah, I can hear it. They are coming for you. For I was actually going to make a joke talking about DJ Stewart as a batting average asset. But anybody at this point 
is a batting average. Can be. That, yeah. yeah, can be if they get hot. And anyone can be a batting average liability. We talked about last episode, and you and I were talking about prior to the show, like benching Luis Arise right now. Like, I get it. Like, you know, like anybody who's known for batting average can go cold for 36 days. Yeah. And if you're stand, you know, we, you know, we talked a lot about that with a rise, like if he can't actually help you, even if he gets hot again and hits 390, that might not offer you enough mm-hmm. points for what DJ Stewart's like four homers. Could. Yeah. So you, you really have to make some tough decisions. I put this one on just to kind of laugh because I had no idea this guy was in the organization, but Colton Wong is coming up for the Dodgers. I can't imagine he gets anything but sporadic playing time, defensive replacements, anything here with Colton Wong. No. You don't think you take Mookie Betts' spot? Hmm. Maybe you need to drop Mookie Betts. If you were in a league against me, please drop Mookie, Mookie please Betts. Please drop him because yeah. Colton Wong is going to come take that spot at mm-hmm. second base. And I don't think any, there's any, there's nowhere else for Betts to play then. Mm-hmm. And yeah. why would they bring up Colton Wong if they're not going to play him? You I know? mean, they wouldn't want to play Mookie Betts over Jason Hayward. No. No, 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 no. Jason Hayward's cooking, can I, can, dude. Can I, can I just say that... I was not wrong about the Dodgers lineup not being as good this year. Are you sure you weren't? But holy crap. I mean, did they steal the Cardinals devil magic? Because like the the lineups they put out there sometimes, I look at it from like a DFS perspective or whatever, um, or just like just the, when I'm lo- randomly looking at lineups and I go, like this is not a great team, but this is the best sure team is. in baseball. And sure it is. Zero effing sense. Okay, like, so I get what you're saying, right? Like you look at some of these lineups because we talked about how they're not the Avengers anymore. That was kind of the exact yeah. phrase that we use saying like they're good, but they're not their otherworldly offense right now uh, this year. And we'll see where it's kind of half of a lineup and then half of like some sketchiness. They got a rookie like James Outman and Michael Bush. What are they going to do? Crusty guys like Peralta and Hayward. And so we had some skepticism about how deep the lineup Next would be. Muncy's hitting like Mendoza line batting average. Yeah, he's hitting 208, right? but he has a yeah. 338 OBP and a 494 slug. Yeah. So Muncy's doing exactly what he needs runs, to do. Like, yeah. I love Muncy. That was one I, I, I got Muncy right. I was all over that one. But with where, where maybe you were wrong, and I say you more because it was it was your driving force. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to shirk responsibility here, but I, you know, is it just in doubting the Dodgers in general? Is that the mistake? Like yes. the process of looking at these players and saying these players are not that good. Like, why am I in on Jason Hayward? I think if you add Jason Hayward's OPS pluses the last two years, they don't equal what he's done this year. In fact, it's actually four points better. 125 if you add them in 21 and 22 to the 121 this year. Um, so, you know, you weren't betting on a 33-year-old Jason Hayward. There's logic in that. Like, you're not yeah. wrong. But is the problem that we should just not doubt the Dodgers because of de- their devil magic? Is th- is that the lesson to be learned here? Any, like, I feel like Mookie Betts is uh, a superpower. Like, anyone around Mookie Betts just gets And Freeman, better. I think. And I think Freeman, both. Yeah, both. I think they yeah. both just, their aura spreads to the rest of the team. It's It's unreal. Because if you told me that David Peralta was going to hit third or fifth in this lineup. Now, he's not even doing that well. That one makes no sense that he's still playing as much as he is. Like, But if you told me that was like, hey, we're going to be at this time of the season, and the only bat they're really missing is J.D. Martinez, and yep. David Peralta and Jason Hayward are hitting fifth, sixth in this lineup, I would have told you that, and I bet on the Dimebacks to win this division, um, mm-hmm. I would have told you that the Dodgers – 
aren't winning a division here. It's not like their pitching has been like. Well, and that I was just about to bring that up. We also had concerns about the depth of pitching, and that's proven correct. I think that we got right because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they find a way, they exactly they find a way. Miller's popped off, you know, even when Stone flopped and Sheehan flopped. Okay, Bobby Miller's the guy that they trade for Lancelin. Yes, he got beat up by Atlanta. There's no shame in that. It's Atlanta. Yeah, Uh, he's been elite prior to that run uh, to getting beat up a little bit last night by Atlanta and Kershaw's done a Kershaw season, missed some time as he always does, but amazing when he pitches. Urias hasn't even been himself 441 ERA, yeah. but a 111 whip. Yeah. They just get it done. So I think the lesson to be taken from this is to just not doubt them. Absolutely. I think your process was fine, except that you were analyzing the, the wrong team. Like if you, if you have that same process and those players are on, any other team that isn't maybe the Rays or the Cardinals, the other two teams that have heavy devil magic, then I think you're right. But because it was the Dodgers, they just they just get it done. And I, I'm being and, a and you know they're tongue gonna, in cheek. And you know they're going to sign Otani next year. So it's of course. like because they're going to be able to pitch them. They go, listen, we won 105 games with these jokers with David Peralta hitting fourth and fifth. Imagine if we put you in this lineup. And then we'll wait till your arm is better. We'll figure out a pitching strategy pitch for you. Later. Yeah, like, like, I, as a Giants fan who passionately hates the Dodgers, you know, putting aside my taking my analyst cap off mm-hmm. and putting aside you fandom know, cap, yeah, and putting a fandom cap on. God, it sucks to have them as our rivals. <laughs> like, just it just absolutely did. It absolutely sucks because not only. Are they just so good at putting these teams together, even when they don't have, a, you know, they're not spending $500 million a year. Um, they can spend $500 million a year, and they, they, they get all the players I like. I love Trey Turner. I love Max Scherzer. I love Mookie Betts. I love to watch them all I on that team. I love Shohei Otani. And like the Giants are going to offer him like a billion dollars and like a 40% stake in the team. And he's going to go to the Dodgers and just murder us for the next decade. That is probably going to happen. Uh, the uh, Otani to the Dodger rumors are hot and uh, they make a lot of sense too, especially with their down spending this, this past off season kind of saving up to go for yeah. him. Um, I will say this about the Dodgers as we move on. I'm not giving up on Michael Bush. He did not, do no. anything this year 57 wrc plus and 77 plate appearances that means nothing to me you don't He's run last night. cooked it triple off a lefty yeah he went lefty lefty last night it was a nice impressive homer there for michael bush um but yeah i just want to point that out i'll be talking about him all off season there's I'm, only I'm one not... problem what what's You're, that with michael bush and us being excited potentially of him being a really really cheap end of the draft pick next year if they sign Otani, he's got no place to play. He sucks defensively. He has got like, and that's that a good becomes, point. That becomes a real issue for Michael Bush because Michael Bush, his bat will play. I think his bat will play at the major league level. I, I'm not worried about what he's shown in terms of like his overall stat line and stuff. I think his bat's going to play. He is Daniel Murphy, or yeah, yeah. Daniel, yeah. no, that, that that's exactly the right. And, like, and if Otani is the full-time DH next year, I don't know that he plays defensively well enough to be... He needs a trade. He needs to be traded somewhere. That's and fair. That's fair. So I mean, I'm still going to take him in DCs and whatnot. By the way, the homer was off a of righty, not not lefty-lefty for yeah, Bush. Right. Um, but that's a good point, bringing in Otani. Now, here's a question. 
Yeah. If Otani is not pitching next year, why not make him an outfielder? Well, because do you really want him throwing coming off of uh, Tommy John surgery? Oh, yeah. Like I guess throwing from the outfield? Point. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, if, but what if he doesn't get it? And, and Mookie Betts is playing second base just because, like, they can. They, they can right now. They like, can. Like, they have Mookie, one of the best right Mookie, fielders just yeah, hanging like, out in the infield because they got Hayward. He may be, he may have the best arm of any outfielder in baseball, and he's playing second base right now. So, like, I, I think, I think that's, I think they probably address second base in the offseason and move Mookie Betts back out into the outfield. So, that's I don't fair. Think, yeah. I think the one thing, well, no, you got Freeman there. You can't play show that. Yeah. That, that, I was going to say that too. And then I was like, yeah, Freeman. So, no, I can think no, you're right. I think you're right. That, shortstop? Probably. He yeah, probably, probably can, good, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that does hurt. That does hurt Bush's outlook. Again, that shit can sort itself out though. So I'm still going to take the talent, but I totally agree with you that that is a, a roadblock. Hell, that should keep the price cheaper then, right? Like what, yeah, if, if and like, when Otani signs. Legitimately, I don't think he's going in 30 round draft. So like, yeah, uh, I, I think you can get him for like, I know we, we, we kind of meme on the, you get him for free, but you're going to get Michael Bush for free next year. He is going to be extremely cheap. Um, and he's a guy I'll take a gamble on, especially like you said in DC's 30th round of a, a 30 round draft. Like, take a shot because I, I do think the bat plays if they can figure out a defensive home for him. Yep. Or a trade for Michael Bush. Yeah. Um, Nick Lodolo out for the rest of the year. And I want to bring this up because about uh, talking about going for guys with these timetables, right? We've, we've beat this point home, but now we have a couple examples where it went to the negative. Uh, Nick Lodolo and O'Neill Cruz were stashes for people like, oh, because they're going to come back in August. And like, I get it. And sometimes it pays off. You go for a guy, you stash him. I'm not saying never do it. It never works. But here's the downside. And now that we have a couple downsides on it with O'Neill and uh, Lodolo getting pushed and, and Lodolo out for the year, I wanted to bring it up again. And I kind of wanted to see where you are after this year. Another year in the books, pretty much. We got one more month. Um, where, are you still somebody who will take injury stashes are you all the way out on them is it still case by case where do you currently stand because i lean pretty much no unless they're already on rehab and even that's not guaranteed right something could go wrong in the rehab but for me they pretty much already have to be going that's why i, I was open to taking a jake fraley um stash because he's on rehab right now but where do you stand after seeing lodolo and o'neill cruz kind of flop relative to the uh to the expectations yeah i mean so Typically, I'm like you, right? Typically, I am the guy that, like, uh, until I at least see them on rehab, and usually I want to see them progressing on rehab, so move from complex or low A to a higher level before I want to take a gamble on a stash. And that often means I'm not going to get some of these guys, right? Like, yeah. you know, people were stashing Trevor Story before he ever even started his rehab. Mm -hmm. right? People were stashing O'Neill Cruz and Ludol, even though they never started a rehab assignment, right? Um this year, I, I I did stash O'Neill Cruz and Lodolo in leagues um, because my teams have been so good and so healthy that uh, I could afford to do it, right? Like, I And that's why there's no hard, fast rules either, right? Because yeah. if your team has an opening, I'm not against taking a shot like that. But at the end of the day, I was wrong. Um, and I... And... And... Not only was I wrong, it actively hurt me in leagues because my team didn't stay healthy, you know, yeah. and then I'm in this position like, well, now do I drop this guy or do I hold on to him? Because I've been stashing him for a month anyways. 
But now I have four guys on my bench on the IL and not just Nick Lodolo or just uh, O'Neill Cruz. And I think that the I, I think I got a little um, greedy uh, and that was a mistake because it's left me with less flexibility than I would have liked in certain leagues. And now some of my leagues are starting to struggle a little bit and we're getting the stretch run and I still want to pull out championships. So um, I've already dropped these guys uh, or I, I dropped O'Neill Cruz last week. I'll, I'll drop Nicodolo this week, but I think in the future, I'm going to go back to what I did before, which is what you do. Uh, and that is, I'm not touching these guys until I see them on a rehab assignment yep. um, and, and rehab, rehab only. Yeah. And, and I really want to see them kind of progress a rehab assignment, right? I want to see them go from whatever lower level they start at to, you know, double A AA or triple A before I put in a bit on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think that's that's where I stand with it. And again, I'll miss out on some that hit. This isn't this isn't saying never do it. It never works. Manage to your style. For me, I don't want to do it unless they're on rehab and pretty close to returning. Others may take bigger gambles and have the bigger returns, right? It's a risk reward yep. situation. All right, let's get in two steps. It's been a bit of a long episode, so we'll kind of speed through them. You give me where you're starting these guys, if anywhere. Brandon fought Colorado at home and then a trip to the Cubs. I think I'm starting fought in most leagues. Like, uh, yeah, I think he's considerable everywhere. Like, you don't, he's not a must in tens or anything, or even twelves. But I think he's on the table in every format right now with the way he's been pitching since his latest recall. And especially when you get to start off against Colorado, who is leaving a seven, you know, uh, day home uh, stretch to go on the road. Like we've mm-hmm. talked about this, right? Like Rockies hitters struggle on the road, but they really struggled at the beginning of a road trip, yep. right? Because they're, they haven't acclimated back to what it's, how the ball moves, uh, in, you know, normal air, as opposed to thin air in, you know, an altitude in Colorado. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I, I think the strength of that offsets maybe a little bit of the weakness of having to go up against the Cubs. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm also, it's not Atlanta. Like I'm not, I'm not super afraid of the Cubs necessarily. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Um, I'm looking here at his numbers real quick. So Brandon fought since returning has eight starts of a four seventeen ERA, which doesn't stand out like, Oh my God, that's, that's whatever. However, he has two starts against the Dodgers, neither of which you should have started him for. So I think you can reasonably remove those eight and two thirds with mm-hmm. nine earned runs. And then it's a 294, right? Because if you're curating somebody like fought, especially in shower leagues, why would you ever start him against the Dodgers? Mm-hmm. And so 294 ERA in six starts since the return is really impressive. You mentioned the Colorado piece. Chicago is good. Respect them, but they are not a runaway sort of team. Brandon Fought is viable anywhere that you're streaming, guys. Uh, Darius Vines for Atlanta came up and put up a really, really impressive debut, especially when you consider it was against Colorado in Colorado. So shouts to Vines. Um, Did not know anything about him when he was coming up. Ended up watching that start. Six innings, two runs, five base runners, five Ks for Darius Fines, 25-year-old right-hander. He's on the Braves, too. If you're win-seeking, is there any interest in him? He gets two home starts against St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Is Darius Fines on your radar next week? Yes, but I just get like a flashback, a little PTSD episode of Winans where I I, I tried this with with Winans and – I was so mad murdered. that I didn't get Winans. I was yeah. so mad. I was like, that's got my guy, murdered. dude. I need wins. And he got cooked. Um, so, so you worried that Vines could be similar. Yeah, but I mean, if you are win-seeking right now, like I, 
there's no better team to pitch for than the Atlanta Braves. Like the Atlanta yeah. Braves have just an insane offense. You could give up six earned runs in five innings and get a pretty easy win because they win, you know, 74 to six. So um, I think it's just, yeah. So if you're win seeking, I have no problem. Vines is kind of a command over stuff kind of guy. And mm-hmm. so if the command is, you know, looking good, he's going to pitch well. If it's not, he's going to, he could get beat the hell up. So if you are trying to protect your ratios at all right now, I said probably would skip fines. Um, yes, because it could be implosion city. Yeah, if things go the wrong way. And I will say, you know, he throws like ninety. Uh, and that was the thing with Winans too; is kind of a soft tosser. But he was twenty eight. Vines is twenty five. A little bit more prospect viability here. But I would probably look at the Winans bids, lower them, and that's where I'm at on Vines. Yeah. And if somebody wants to I, pay Winans prices or more, let them. I will say you're not going to find an easier two-step for the Atlanta Braves in St. Louis and Pittsburgh right now. Both at home, too, which is just better to pitch at home. Truist is not a bad place to hit necessarily, but you still want guys at home more often than not. Kyle Hendricks, San Francisco and Arizona, both at home. He's been pitching very well. He maybe shouldn't even be on this. Maybe he's back to automatic status, but I want to get your thoughts on Hendricks because he has been pitching very well since his return. Is he back to automatic status for you? I don't know if he's automatic, but yeah, I mean, he's he's back to being like, hey, he sh- probably should be in your lineup each week. And uh, uh, <laughs> it's just so weird, man. I, I, I thought he was done. Like, he I left him for dead. Yeah. He's throwing he's throwing 46 miles an hour. Like, it's yeah. like how he makes it work. I, I don't know. But the Giants are an offense that you're super worried about. The uh, Dimebacks have taken a little bit of a step back. They're not an offense you're necessarily worried about. Um gets and two both are at starts. home yeah so i'm i'm fine with that yeah yeah pick him up uh, where he's available kyle hendricks but in 15s he's already rostered and being started consistently as he should gavin williams mentioned him earlier minnesota and at the angels but he last left his last start with the injury um so i guess there's still some question there and we'll probably get some clarity about it on the weekend let's operate as though gavin williams is going to make this two-step how interested are you in that assuming the right knee soreness is nothing if he is pitching, and the beauty of this is you're going to know because Monday is his scheduled start. So mm-hmm. you'll know if he's pitching. If he's pitching, then I'm using him. If he's not pitching, then I'm not using him. So I yeah, mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, and they don't seem to be particularly worried about the, about the knee. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if everything's good there, but just keep tabs on it, and then you'll kind of know what's going on with him. Jesse Schultons for the White Sox actually has a sub four ERA. Now some of that's been uh, put together in the bullpen, but he's been starting lately and, you know, up and down. Uh, there's been a few good starts. There's been a few bad starts. He was great in Baltimore last time. Well, he's good in Baltimore last time. I only allowed one run in five and a third, but also only had one K. So it's, it's, it's slop, but it's at KC and at Detroit and we're in do or die situation here in September. Are the matchups enough to get you to go for Jesse Schultz? If you're like me and you're wind seeking in my main event, you are riding Jesse Schulten's coattails right now. Uh, I, I think I am. Pray, I, he'll yeah. be on my list, dude. I'm desperate for wins. And while the White Sox suck, so do KC and Detroit. These are win opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I think it's my Oxford Championship team that I'm riding Jesse Schulten's. But yeah, I'm, I'm riding with them. Who would you rather start, Jesse Schulten's or teammate Michael Kopech? Oh Kope. my God! Kope. I am finally going to drop. Kope. I don't know who for yet. Good, but I'm finally dropping. Uh, I think I would take Schultons to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's absolutely. a tighter window of, of up, you know, upside downside. I think is a tighter window than Kopech. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. JP France, this is really only for the for the 10 teamers because I think in 12s and 15s, people's confidence are is back in him. You know, he had the bad start against Boston. I implored people not to bench him in the in the repeat against Boston only because of the 10 earned. Like if, if that's yeah. your only reason you're making a mistake. If you just don't want to start somebody in Fenway, I get it. But he did throw five and two thirds, two two strike or two runs. So he bounced back. JP France did. He's been great all year outside of the 10 earned against Boston. He goes to Texas and gets San Diego at home. That's a pretty tough two-step. But do you like JP France and 10 teamers this week? Is he at least in your consideration board? I don't think so. I mean, with this two-step, it's just I think it's just too dangerous. I mean, I know Texas hasn't been uh like the powerhouse that they were earlier on in the season, but it's still a really good lineup. San Diego, I know they have them in the powers. We thought they were going to be this year. It's still a really good lineup. I'm, I'm not messing with these two, especially both. Like if it was, if we were talking about, oh, it's the Rangers, but then he goes to Oakland. Yeah, then I'm, then I'm, I'm in are on you, that one. Are you worried in twelves about JP France? I am. Fifteens. Yeah, it, I mean fifteens. You just may not have another freaking option so no i think 15 he's a must to be honest because if you're win seeking he has 10 wins he's only allowed more than four earned twice this year mm -hmm. the, the 10 earned run bomb and then a six earned run back on may 17th against the cubs i i like france a little bit more than you i think he's at least in the considerations uh you know in your consideration list for 10s and 12s not a must especially because he doesn't really get k's but if you're a win chaser we've been talking about wind chasing throughout this entire two-step segment here i think that puts France, at least on the board. I understand your trepidation. I think if you're chasing wins, you might not be able to be as discerning with it. You might have to go with him. What about JP France versus this next guy, Reed Detmers? He's home twice against Baltimore and Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, of course, is half of Detmers' old team, but that's pitchers, so he doesn't have to face them. But what do you think of Detmers? He's been amazingly frustrating this year, but more good than bad is he a two-start start for you, Reed Detmers? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Um, I spent my last sixty-five dollars uh, in Tout Wars on Reed Detmers. Now Tout Wars has zero-dollar bids. Yes, um, so you can still make make moves. See, so, so I can still make moves, and I was able to drop a bunch of guys because they have a reclaim process. You get the be the benefit. Is, back. I think is the best rule Tout Wars has. There's some rules Fantastic. I don't love about Tout Wars, <laughs> but for those who don't know what this is. If you have a player that is on your IL that you decide to drop, so for instance, Brandon Donovan, right? I bought him for five dollars. I, you know, and he's out for the year, so I dropped him. Well, they gave me twenty-five bucks back. It's after the it's after uh, the uh, trade deadline, and so we get five times whatever we spent on him in the original auction, right? That's so good. Earlier this season, uh, I dropped Drew Rasmussen, right? Getting Tommy John done for the year. Before the trade deadline, it was 10 times. So I spent $12 on Drew Rasmussen. I got $120 in fat. It's a great rule to offset. So much strategy. Yeah. And it just offsets the, like, um, the, you know, the chance that some guy is going to get hurt. You know, if you lost a, if you lost Jacob DeGrom, you spent 30 bucks of your 260 on him at the draft table. Like you shouldn't go home empty handed. And so to be able to get like a bunch of fat only 30 and only 30 doesn't really do anything either. So getting yeah. that five or 10 X really gives you an opportunity to go back into the waiver pool and try it's to get something. Great, 
it's a great rule. Um, I agree. I agree. It's and very cool. so, uh, yeah. So I, I, I reclaimed a few guys. I should have reclaimed Joe Musgrove. I don't think Musgrove's coming back, but um, yeah, I, I, I just held on too. to him just because what's available. But uh, so yeah, so I picked up Reed Detmers, uh, and I am definitely using him in Tout Wars. That's obviously a fifteen team league, but I think he's definitely in the conversation for 12s and even maybe some 10s. I think um, he's viable in 10s. I, I yeah. do. Baltimore and Cleveland at home, those are not punishing. Well, Baltimore's offense is, is, is good. I don't want to I don't want to yeah. besmirch them. Cleveland, you like that but start? I don't, I'm going to double check. I don't think Baltimore's that great against lefties. Oh, okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm double checking because I don't want to yeah, talk about see, my ass. See what's up with them. Um, I will point out while you're looking that up that Detmers has been better at home by uh, over a run in ERA, 456 to 560, with a 3.5 strikeout to walk ratio versus 1.9 on the road. So, you love the two home starts for Detmers. Okay. Well, I I wasn't necessarily talking out my ass, um, but... Uh, yeah, Baltimore's a little bit better than I thought versus lefties. They're ninth in baseball in Woba versus okay. lefties. But, I mean, that is in part due to, like, they are just really good against righties. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know, with Baltimore, they can get you. But I think with somebody like Detmers, his upside is so much that I think you got to go for it in a lot of spots. Obviously, if you're ratio protecting, you don't mess with a guy who has a 140 whip. But in every other sort of like chase scenario, I think Detmers is very appealing. Are you going to enter the Woo and start Brian Woo at Cincinnati and at Tampa Bay? That is a pretty tough two-step. But Woo has been wonderful this year. Uh, where are you starting Brian Woo with anywhere? I mean, I think in tens, you can kind of pick and choose your battles, right? Like, you know, you should have pretty good options on your bench, or maybe Wu is the bench guy that you're debating. Yeah. And so maybe in that situation, in 10, I'm not starting Wu, but I think in 12s and 15s, like he's just been too good. And while Cincinnati at home is a pretty scary start, like Cincinnati hasn't been amazing They've offensively. Been icy. Yeah. So, um, and I know they just added a couple bats, but like they're not bats you're afraid of necessarily. Are you really afraid of Hunter not Renfro Bader. or Bader? I'm afraid of Renfro. I'm afraid of Renfro. Yeah. All right. Renfro can go a yard on you at any moment, but Bader does not scare me. So I, yeah. I, I'm with you to that point. And I think Tampa, with Wu, Tampa hasn't been as hot either. So like I yeah. think I'm okay taking the shot, especially at 15, you're definitely doing it. And at 12, I think it's debatable. And at 10, I mean, unless you really don't have other options. I think it's on the table in 10s, yeah. too, if you yeah, want to. Exactly. Like, you don't have to, though, uh, with Brian Wu in Seattle. Zach Thompson, I think you're going to say no after the first one because it's at Atlanta. Um, and then at Cincinnati, which, again, Cincinnati's not been great, but this is still a very difficult two-step. I like Zach Thompson. He's actually on my bench in the main, but he's going to remain there this week with at Atlanta and at Cincy. The Atlanta start alone cancels him out, right? It was nice to see him finally go five innings in a couple yes. of starts um, because I just didn't think that was going to ever happen, really. Uh, but, yeah, no. Atlanta? No. Lance Lynn just got murdered by Atlanta. Zach Thompson. Yeah. The only Thompson I care about in St. Louis is Matt Thompson. We've been over That's this. right. That's right. We, we, we have been clear about that. Matt Thompson is our favorite uh, entity related to St. Louis in any way, shape or form. Taj Bradley might be coming back. This is a penciled in kind of thing. We don't know, but it would be Boston and Seattle both at home. Are you specking on Taj Bradley? Even if he doesn't get a two step, any interest in specking on him just in hopes of September goodness? Um, Probably not. Like I, he's okay. probably already rostered in most 15 team leagues. Which is probably where the bulk of his value which, lies. Yeah, which is the only place I would really consider it. Uh, 
like his his problems have gotten only worse in AAA. Like as much mm-hmm. as we gave uh, Tampa Bay's organization grief for sending him down the first time and then the second time, uh, yeah, I mean they there's a reason why they did. They they know these players better than us, um, and like he has given up t- over two home runs per nine and has walked. Uh, almost five per nine. He's in in AAA. He's got eleven point six percent walk rate in AAA this year. Like, uh, and the home run rate is astronomical as well. So, uh, no thanks. I think I'm gonna pass. Even in 15s, I don't think he, I, I don't think he is really up for consideration when you're talking about Houston. Yeah, Taj Bradley can make things really difficult for you. Like, it it, it could go really sideways. He's oh. been better of late in AAA. I will, what? I was going to say, I said he's pitching Hughes, and I was looking at Andrew Heaney's uh, two-step. Oh, okay, but it's Boston-Seattle uh, Boston, for Bradley anyway. which is it, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not great. I will point out, better in AAA of late, but still pretty scary. Um, this is another guy, though. Put him in the Michael Bush category for me. I'm not leaning off of him next year. I'll be all over Taj Bradley next yeah. year. I, be I still really, really like his long term. Yeah. I think the price will be right. And he's one of those guys that could absolutely pop next year. Yeah. Let's finish with your boy Heen Dog, Andrew Heaney, Houston and Oakland, both at home. Do you take on the Houston one to get the Oakland one? And how worried are you that the first one is going to set such a bad precedent that he won't even be able to save himself in Oakland? Because your boy, he hasn't been his normal self, right? Usually the, the deal with Heaney is good when he pitches, you never know when he's going to be pitching. But he's actually pitched more this year, 128 innings, 26 starts. 416 ERA doesn't kill you in a deep league, but a 135 whip is no good. Um, nine wins, the Ks are still above a K per inning. He's been okay, but he, he not like last year where when Heaney was pitching, he was a god. He just only pitched 73 innings. So what do you think of Heaney? Houston, Oakland, both at home. Is there enough here? You're a longtime Heaney lover. So since August 1st, he's got a 239 ERA. You buying all the way back in? Absolutely not. You have fooled me too many Look times. Look at your Mr. wow! I am I'm impressed. I'm impressed uh, with your with your uh, resolve here to to not it? be sucked back in. You know what is actually going to happen, right? He's going to pitch really well against Houston and get Houston, destroyed be, by the A's. That's um, that's so Andrew Heaney that it's not yeah. even funny. If you don't care about your whip, I, I get making a play here because you get that uh, that Oakland start. But I mean, and more let, wins chasing. Yeah, let's be honest. Like, how much better after all the moves that the Angels have made recently is the Angels than Oakland right now? Like, yes, they have Otani, but that's it. Like, and. Um, well, because of the injuries, right? Like that, I think that's that's what gets underrated with the Angels is that like they made the moves to go in, which I I still fully back them going and getting the guys that they did. Mm-hmm. But then they hit a wave of injuries. You can and make a lineup we, out of. Wait, wait, hold on a sec. Andrew Heaney's on Houston. Yeah. Why are we talking about the Angels? I don't know. You brought him up. I well, it's because you have him going up against Houston on the sheet. Is he not facing Houston? Oh, he's no, he's on the Rangers. Oh my, he's God, on God. Texas. I I need to stop waking up early for these episodes. <laughs> I'm leaving this so, in. I'm leaving. You know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Houston and and Sorry. Oakland for him. Um, I thought you were making a comparison between the Angel Angels and the A's. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I was just for some reason thinking he was still on okay, the Angels. Okay. And then so I Houston and Oakland, yeah. both at home um, for Heaney. I think wind so yeah, chasers so, are going for it. Yeah, if you can afford the whip pain. 
Yep. The way, even in this really good stretch since the beginning of uh, August, he's got a 133 whip. Like he's, I believe it. Like he's, that's him. Yeah. Like he, he, he's not that's walking him. guys. Like that's the thing. Like he hasn't allowed more than two walks in any start since the beginning of August, but he's still got a 133 whip. So he's beat just, he's decided like, hey, instead of walking guys, I'm just going to be hittable. I'm going to let you guys hit me a little bit and hope that I can strike out the next guy. That yep. So um, it's high risk, high reward. Like, and I think at this time of year, if you are really in tune with your standings and your team, you can make these gambles. Um, but you really need to be in tune with your team and your standings. Like if you're, if you're right now, like just saying, well, he's starting. So I'm putting him in my lineup or he's got two steps. So I'm putting him in my lineup and you're not looking at how that can affect your standings, whether it's in a uh, Roto League, and I know a lot of people out there play points uh, or head-to-head categories, like be in tune with what your team can do um, because the last thing you want to do is destroy the end of your season by just starting guys just because they have a two-step. Yep, I think that's, that's a good call. You have to be careful there and be mindful of the risk that you're taking. And I recommend doing a lot of math here. I know that that's not the fun, mm-hmm. most fun thing to do, but see what X number of innings of this ERA or this whip actually do for your team to get more perspective. If Heaney gives me a 150 whip in nine innings this week, yeah. what does it do? You know, okay, it moves me this much. That's not so bad. I can take that risk. Like, go run through some scenarios so you actually know what you're getting into. And because we talk, and we're, I'm going to beat it home all month. Again, the ratios can still move, and they can really be game changers because people can come back to you. You can move up. It's just, it, it, it it's something I, that I keep beating home because I see it every single year. Ever since Todd Zola put it on the big, big radar, I see it every year, and it's become such a big thing for me to focus on. At the beginning of this week, I had 120 points in my uh, my auction league, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my NFBC auction championship league. I currently have 113 points. So in less than a week, in five days, I have lost seven in points. In late August. Yes. And it's because of my ratios. It's because my whip and my ERA, I got beat up. And other people had good starts this week. And all of a sudden I went down, they went up and they passed me in those categories. And now I went from having, you know, uh, anywhere from a 10 to a 15 point lead in my league to having a three point lead in my league, you know, collar Titans. And yeah. And I, you know, in my head, I was already figuring out how I was going to spend all this money I was making. And now I've got to get back to grinding and hoping that, uh, you know, guys like Jesse Schultz don't kill me. Few things more challenging than the uh, final month grind that I had to win my main event uh, in terms of fantasy baseball, like the management there, the things you had to think of, the fact that there's just always somebody coming. There was somebody who came from like fifth that ended up being my biggest challenger too. Don't sleep on, on the person that might be a little bit lower in the standings that you're not even accounting for. Everything matters. Everything matters. I think Scott Jensen talks about how he lost a league by like one run or some shit. Like, It all my, matters. In 2020, I lost. I, I I went from cashing in my main event to fourth place in my main main event because on the last at bat of the season, uh, Johanio Suarez got a hit and Dusty Wagner jumped over me. Oh, 
My God. And I went of from all the people too. Uh, I went from a $1,300 cash to nothing. Let's see if he listens to this. That son of a bitch, Dusty Wagner. Let's see if he gets oh, to the I, end of I this remind episode. him this all the time. I know, but right? let's see if he listens to this exact episode. He will text mm-hmm. us yeah. and say, I, I mean, at this point, me. we've been talking you, for Dusty. an hour and 40 minutes. That's so what like, I'm saying. If he listens many, this long, yeah, how many people are actually I'll, listening? I'll be impressed. If you but, are hey, the, still listening, he's on the road a bunch, you know? He might I, be listening. I bought my tickets yesterday for First Pitch Arizona. We'll uh, there, for baby. Danielle and I, uh, you're going to be there. Jason's going to be there. Lots of people are going to be there. Um, I'm going to try to get on a Baseball HQ uh, contributor next week for the podcast. So that way we can mm-hmm. uh, chat uh, a bunch more about it. But if you have never been to First Pitch Arizona, uh, now's the time, right? I think if you can, if you can swing it financially, you got to do it. It's a great, 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 great trip. Yeah. It's so and the, pri- don't the worry price for the anybody. conference goes up as of, I think, September 9th. I want to say I'm going to double check. Okay. Um, because I was uh, DMing with uh, Brent Hershey uh, from Baseball HQ and accidentally sent him an inappropriate yeah, message. Uh, because <laughs> that was I, meant for Danielle. That's so funny. I said, I sent so him. Uh, I haven't said on Twitter who it is, but for the listeners, yes, I, I sent Brent Hershey um, a really inappropriate <laughs> message I meant to send to my wife. Uh, and I've never been more embarrassed. Uh, but guess who's going to have the best okay. podcast slot at Sleeper in the Bus? It's going to be Sleeper in the Bus. At, at, at we are. At, you know, yeah. uh, ages ago, I sent an embarrassing text to a friend of mine mm-hmm. like that that was meant for a girl about how, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it, it's so long ago. It's like, <laughs> my bed still smells like you. And I sent that to my friend. And he's like, wait what i was like oh my god uh because their names started with the first two letters I, the same so i i will say one that's not quite as graphic uh for for the little ears but um i uh so when danielle and i started dating um uh or in, we i was roommates with her brother um okay and he did not want us messing around or dating and stuff like that and uh and we were Daniel and I were like best friends before we started dating. Um, and so I, you know, early on in our relationship, even before we went public with our relationship, um, I told her I loved her and I sent uh, a text saying, I love you one night and accidentally sent it to her brother. Cause they have the exact same phone number except for one digit different. Yeah. Um, and this is back when you didn't have every number in your phone saved, you had exactly you knew the numbers, yeah, uh, and apparently it didn't know the number. Um, oh, that's so and funny. he was all like, Love you too, buddy. You drinking okay. again? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no, I was like, I was like, I just, you know, I love just you, buddy. You know, man, just hey. you know, like, you know, hey. you're a great roommate. No- normalized dudes telling dudes they love them. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just funny that it was the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to tell your friends that your bed smells like them, especially if it doesn't. That's a little bit more embarrassing, but feel free to tell them you love them. You don't need to tell people in the industry that you appreciate their butts. Um, That they have a nice butt, exactly. Mm -hmm. If that's consenting and you're with somebody in the industry that you can tell them they have a nice butt, chill as hell. Maybe don't just randomly message them that they have a nice butt. Brent Brent laughed it off. I appreciate. Oh, for that. sure. As, um, as as 
on the list of people that you could accidentally send that to that are going to not have any sort of negative reaction, yeah. Brent's high up there. Man. I'm, He's I'm really glad I didn't accidentally send it to a woman in the industry because that would have been a that would have been the even though part. my friends who are women in the industry, I all, think everyone like, knows. Like if I had know, sent something like, to Sarah Sanchez or Shelly, they would have been like, oh, "I think you meant to send this to Danielle," and I would be like, oh, "Exactly." But, you also don't want to be put yourself in that position. So. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so just make sure you know who you're sending texts to, folks. I, I think a lot yeah. of us have stories like that. That was so funny that that happened to you. And it reminded me of that story with my guy. And I will say that this particular friend that I had sent that to was more of like the macho type. So it was particularly funny to send it to him. <laughs> like, you know, he didn't like come back and like homophobic slur me or anything. I'm not trying to besmirch him, but he was just like, Bro, what? <laughs> He's just like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh my God, that was not for you. Oh, and, see, uh, I, it was I, hilarious. I, with Brent, I caught myself I prior. Didn't. Like, and so like, but like, I don't know what's worse. It's is it like worse to be like him, like say something back, like, um, I don't know if things are nice for me. Or is it like the panic I had yes, the panic in stomach that drop. moment? Where I'm trying to figure out how do you unsend a DM and you you can't <laughs> you can't you can it's delete done. it for yourself but you can't yeah but you can't it delete it for them like you know like uh, Elon hasn't fixed that thing on uh, on X um, mm -hmm. don't but, call it that it's Twitter <laughs> I know uh, um, I know I'm just teasing you as my wife comes by and moons me um, but you but know. didn't moon anybody and, else. And just nice butt, them. right? I wish I had, that's you know. that's why you knew. That's why yeah, you knew it's exactly. nice butt. So uh -huh. uh, we should probably wrap up here before we start uh, <laughs> getting too far afield. I think we've already gotten far yeah, afield. If you listen all the way through, let us know your embarrassing text story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, again, I think a lot of people have those right. The wrong absolutely. email, wrong text. Wrong I don't want to know about you harassing people, but if no, you no, have no, an no, embarrassing no. text. But like a funny miss that like was totally laughed off and everything was chill. Yeah, if you are accosting people and being rude to them and harassing them, we're gonna roast the shit out of you and tell yeah. you you're, you're a freaking creep. But uh, if you're telling people that they have nice butts that are supposed to go to your wife or significant other and it goes to a friend mm -hmm. or a workmate, that shit's funny. Uh, but I, I, I also have done on a number of occasions like sent an emoji and hit the wrong one. Oh, for sure. Like the middle finger emoji has been used in inappropriate times <laughs> when people are like, I'm trying to give you the thumbs up. And I fat fingered so like, the middle finger emoji. Like that was uh, rude. I thought you I've, liked my idea. Yeah, no, I've had people like jump into my DMs and stuff and be like, hey, what do you think about, you know, this trade? And I go to give them a thumbs up and I give them an F you and they're like, oh, man. Like, okay, you don't like that deal. Like, oh, not, no, I liked it. I liked it. I'm not going to jump into your DMs anymore and ask you questions. You That's know? so funny. I like the idea of you just being like, don't, don't ask me these questions. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I was talking to Brian Vogel once about something and I went to go give him the thumbs up and I gave him the kissy face emoji. Uh, so that, That's just a nicer thumbs up. Let's be honest. It is. That, yeah. That, yeah. That one doesn't even convey the wrong mm -hmm. message. It might be just yeah. conveys an extra aggressive version of it. All right. Well, we got to go. We've been going for almost two hours. Are you guys going on Sunday? Uh, I don't think so just cause it's uh Labor Day weekend and yeah. uh, it's my kid, my kids celebrated their 13th birthday and they're going to have a party Happy on Saturday. Birthday, Kennedy. I don't know that I want to get up at eight o'clock in the morning after hanging out with a bunch of 13 year olds all night uh, to record. Don't say it like no. that. Yeah. 
Oh, you're going to be yeah. chaperoning. You're gonna be I'm chaperoning. chaperoning. The, I'm the party. chaperoning. Yeah. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, so no on Sunday. And we're TBD on Monday. We might try to get the guest and do Monday. We yeah. may move it to Tuesday because it is Labor Day. Fangraphs is dark. We still might do the pod. But if not, it'll be early in the week still. There'll still be two episodes yep. next week for sure. So we will get that ironed out. Justin, great speaking with you, man. Don't miss send any texts or DMs over the weekend. And I'll talk yeah. to you later. Take it easy. Thank you.